USA Today is calling it the grief pandemic. An article published at the end of May introduced Cassandra Rollins and her plight with grief during and as a result of the pandemic. Rollins was already dealing with several losses before the pandemic. She lost a son to suicide. Now she's raising her two teenage granddaughters who lost their mother to COVID-19. According to the article, Rollins said the grief is unrelenting. You should think that as time passes, it would get better. She said sometimes it's even harder. This wound right here, time don't heal. Unfortunately, Rollins' story is not unique. The article points out with nearly 600,000 in the U.S. lost to COVID-19, now a leading cause of death, researchers estimate that more than 5 million Americans are in mourning, including more than 43,000 children who have lost their parents. The pandemic has inflicted unique forms of torment on mourners, making it harder to move ahead with their lives than with a typical loss. This is according to sociologist Holly Pridgerson, who's co-director of the Cornell Center for Research on End-of-Life Care. The scale and complexity of pandemic-related grief have created a public health burden that could deplete Americans' physical and mental health for years. Unequivocally, grief is a public health issue. Pridgerson went on to say, you could call it the grief pandemic. I turned 60 years old this year. The past 18 months have been like no other time in my lifetime. The pandemic has compressed into a relatively, relatively short window, a tremendous loss and change. The virus has forced us to change or literally die. If not die, at least face the prospect of the end of our good health. This past year, we lost our weekly routines of gathering in church and at work. When we did gather, it wasn't the same. Hidden behind masks and distanced by tape and physical barriers meant to keep us apart. We could no longer visit loved ones in the nursing home or retirement center. We buried loved ones but did not get to have funerals. Or if we did, they were severely restricted by COVID protocols. Or like so many other human interactions, reduced to a virtual experience. Zoom fatigue is a thing. Amidst all these and other losses we've experienced during this past year as a church, we also lost our beloved pastor of nearly 25 years. Forced to face such change all at once, we all need to pause and consider what to do with all this change, what to do with this loss, and yes, this grief. I know I'm not alone when I say I want to age well. Most of my career I've worked with older people. One characteristic of those who aged well is that they had learned to roll with the changes in life and not gotten stuck in the past. They somehow figured out how to deal with the loss associated with living a long time. I want to follow that example. R. Scott Sullender tells us that if we want to age well, we must become good grievers. 
A New Way of Walking with God is the name of a book by Sullender, a minister and Christian counselor and therapist. It's actually a book about loss, especially in later life, and attempts to answer this question about how to live with loss. The answer might surprise you. Rather than making grief go away, according to Sullender, it is to learn to live with the grief. Grief describes a process, more than just a feeling or a set of, of emotions resulting from losses we experience. So we must learn to live with grief. Let grief become a friend. Not, not the emotion, but befriend the process of grief. Now the emotions associated with grief are generally described as sorrow, longing, depression, even despair. The stages of grief are not sequential, and they are not all emotions as we often think of emotions. We can feel any or all of them, and sometimes several at once. Anger, denial, guilt, depression, despair, and ultimately, acceptance. We want to get to acceptance, but must go through this process of grief to get there. It's this process of grief that is good, that we should make a part of our life because we all experience grief. The difference is how we learn to live with and handle grief. Sullender describes it this way, every loss no matter how major or minor, forces us to enter into a grieving process. We mourn for what we have lost. Most people recover well enough. Others do not. Perhaps you have met a few people who remain in grief beyond a reasonable point in time. Such people still cling to the past, longing for the return of a deceased spouse, the lost career, the youthful appearance, the physical potency, in short, the good old days. These people get locked in by their sorrow, trapped, even enslaved. Solander goes on to say these people believe that the only happiness they have ever known or will know was back then in what is now lost. The future looks bleak. They would rather live in the past. There is a sense in which this way of walking with God is not new at all. We know grief can interfere with a journey. It can cause us to freeze in place when we do not allow the process of grief to proceed. We know that the grief process can help us deal with change and can help us live with new purpose and renewed faith. We must embrace it. Maybe we never recognized what a central role grief plays in all our lives. This new way of walking with God allows the process of grief to clear a path for us to let God have the place He alone should have in our lives. We do well to remember Jesus' reply to the young ruler, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first 
and greatest commandment. Sullender says it seems to come naturally to humans to form attachments to people and places and things. He says unhealthy attachments in spiritual terms can best be described as idolatry. Idolatry happens when we attach meaning to finite people, places, and things. We come to idolize them, the loved one who is remembered as only good and saintly, the house we grew up in as always warm, cozy, and irreplaceable, the church the way it used to be before the new pastor came. Solander says, not everyone gets this obsessed by grief or has an abnormal mourning experience Yet to some extent, the choice between idolatry and faith is there for all of us each time and every time we face a new loss. Solander goes on to say, to some extent, each of us in every major loss experiences elements of abnormal grieving. Each loss calls us to give up something, something that we valued, loved, and needed so dearly. Each loss forces us to emotionally let go of that which we loved. Each loss forces us to let go of the past, the temporary past, and move into the future. We may not do so willingly or joyfully, but move into the future we must, Solander says, for healing and spiritual wholeness lie only in the future, the ever-present future that unfolds before us. Longfellow said, look not mournfully into the past, it comes not back again. Wisely improve the present, it is thine. Go forth to meet the shadowy future without fear and with a manly heart. When it comes to people, places, and things, loss is inevitable. We cannot avoid it. We must learn to live with it. That is what I mean when I say a new way of walking with God. We are allowing God to have his rightful place in our lives. The place we tried to fill with people, places, and things. The place of ultimate meaning and infinite relationship. Think with me about God. Consider God's very name, I Am, Yahweh. God revealed this name to Moses, who was running from an inglorious past with Pharaoh's court. And what about the future? Would God even be in Moses' future? He couldn't be sure. God says, I Am. Not, I was back in the day. Not, I will when the skies part and the thunder rolls. No, he says, I am. I am when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed at night. God is letting us know that we can know him now at this very moment because he is. He is the I am, always with us, never lost never going away, but present now.
God is the one whom we will never lose. This morning, we have been talking about how to experience good grief. From what I've read, it seems Charles Schultz may have coined the phrase Charlie Brown made famous back in the 1950s. When I think of Charlie Brown, the one characteristic that shines through that seems to define him after every failure, every pitfall, every football that gets pulled away at the last minute is resilience. Charles Schultz, the cartoonist and creator of the comic strip, Charlie Brown, infuses Charlie with all the fallibility and foibles we find in ourselves. He is every man, yet he keeps coming back. He gets back out in the pitcher's mound. He takes another crack at trusting Lucy to hold up the football and her end of the bargain. He keeps looking up when the chips are down. He said, I've developed a new philosophy. I only dread one day at a time. If grief is about accepting loss, it is also about accepting what remains and what we learned. In the end, maybe what good grief teaches us is to let go of our attachments and find meaning in God, who is the great I am. I don't know if Charlie Brown actually said this, but he supposedly said, learn from yesterday, live for today, look to tomorrow, and rest this afternoon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being ever-present with us, for reminding us that you are always with us and that we can never lose you. We thank you, Father, for making a process by which we can learn to live with our loss, but be reminded and to be accepting of what you have provided for us in you and in your grace. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.